The following program is a proud member of the Palaver family of podcasts. Check out all the shows over at palaver.com. That's P-A-L-A-V-R dot com. Hello, my name's Patrick, and I'm a Scream Queen. I'm a Scream Queen. And so are you! Hello again, my beautiful screamers, and welcome back to another episode of Scream Queens, the podcast where horror gets bent. This is episode 52, and this week, listener Zombard is going up against the firing squad for daring to recommend the movie Steakland to us. And no, you can't get yours medium rare. Ah, And then, we're heading over to jolly old England to find out what got the woman in black's knickers all up in that bunch that they're in, because that girl has got problems. Now it's going to be a little bit of a low-key episode, a little more mellower than you're used to, but don't you worry, because it's still going to be fucking fabulous. And it's all starting right after this. Hammer Film Productions began in 1934, and after producing almost 200 films and television programs, the studio is still releasing and re-releasing new and classic film titles. 1951 Downplays is the podcast that brings you the story of the great Hammer films, one movie at a time. Here are your hosts describing what Hammer means to them. First is Casey. Hammer means the beautiful and glamorous women of Hammer Horror, the engaging storytelling, and amazing period films. Joining him is Derek. Hammer means the incredible work of actors like Peter Cushing, Christopher Lee, and even Michael Ripper. The gothic storytelling, the incredible music, and the set pieces. And finally, here's Scott. Hammer, that's vodka and orange juice. (laughs) This boy has a lot to learn. Join our hosts as they make their journey through the Hammer Films catalogue and discuss each film with critical opinion, historical facts, production notes and other information about these classic films. 1951 Downplace can be found in iTunes or their website www.1951downplace.com Wait, that's a screwdriver. 1951 Downplace, the home of Hammer Films discussion. On Saint Valentine, in a place, in a place known as Hanegar Mine, a legend began. Every woman and man would always remember the time, and those who remained were never all the same. You could see the fear in their eyes. Once every year, as the fourteenth draws near, there's a hush. All over the town For the legend they say On a Valentine's Day Is a curse that will live on and on And no one will know As the years come and go Of the horror from long time ago Twenty years came and went And everyone spent the fourteenth in quiet regret Oh no, wish you can't the death And those still alive Know the secret survives In the darkness 
that looms in the night and in my pants. For the legend they say on our Valentine's Day is a curse that will live on and oompa-pa, oompa-pa. Everybody sway and clink your glasses of the horror from long time ago. It's not over yet. Comes round, there's a silence and fear in the air. Oh my God, they are so scary. Remember the morn when the legend was born. All the shock and the horror was there. But what's the legend you're not telling me? For the legend they say on a Valentine's Day is a curse that will live on and on, 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 and those will know as the years come and go of the horror. From long time ago, the whore from long time ago, and no one will know. Big finish. As the years come and go, of the whore from long time ago. Good night, Pittsburgh. We'll be here all week. Happy Valentine's Day, screamers. Well, by the time you get this, Valentine's Day is going to be long over, but it's Valentine's Day right now when I'm recording it, and isn't it romantic? La, 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 la. No, it's not. It is not romantic at all. I have had a shit day from start to finish. First of all, I had a doctor's appointment at 8 o'clock in the morning. Fuck you, doctor suck my ass. 8 o'clock in the morning. Yeah, I was supposed to go in and finally get my CPAP machine. You know, for those of you who've been following for a while, I went for a sleep study. I have sleep apnea. I was supposed to get one of those things that go over your face. But I go in, he's just like, okay, you need a sleep apnea machine. And um, we'll make another appointment for you to come. I'm like, what is it with this fucking office with appointments to make other appointments at 8 o'clock in the fucking morning? At least I didn't get the bitch in the Christmas kitten sweater this time because I probably would have punched her in the face. That's just how my day started. I came home and I'm really tired, of course. I went back to bed. I have fucked up dreams. I keep having dreams where I'm yelling at everybody. You're probably like, wow, that's so different than your real life. In which I say, fuck you. God, no, I'm just really angry at people. And I'm screaming at them in dreams. And I'm sitting back and watching myself in the dream going, why are you being such an asshole? And then I say, fuck you to myself. It's all very confusing. Then I had therapy... And I went into therapy. I'm like, wah, 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 wah. and and finally, the last appointment of the day, I had my smoke quit group. It's our second to last week, and I almost didn't go because I'm just like, I'm gonna punch somebody in the face. But I went, and I'm glad I did because while I was there, well, actually beforehand, I went to the McDonald's to get a little snack before I went in, and I scratched my arm and realized I didn't have my patch on. I haven't had my nicotine patch on all day. So the city of New York should be thanking me that there hasn't been a bludgeoning spree for the past 12 hours because I don't know how any of us survived. So here we are, kids. You and I together in this room on this romantic-ass day. Uh, Now, some of you might be wondering, isn't this supposed to be the carry episode? It was supposed to be the carry episode, but let me tell you what's going on. I'm losing my voice. For starters, I have a cold coming on. I'm losing my voice, and I have an audition on Thursday, Thursday the 16th. So I need to kind of cut this a bit short. So I'll be doing some quickie movie reviews, or, or you know, uh, just to tide everybody over. And uh, Carrie will be coming up 
next time around. It might even be as soon as next week and not keep you waiting because Owen and I went to see Carrie the Musical on Sunday and oh my God, we have so much to talk about. But I can't tell you anything about it now because that would be cheating. So what else has been going on? Well, I had an interesting day the other day. I did have a good day. Um, I'm singing for a benefit concert on uh, Monday and uh singing a couple of songs uh, with a smaller chorus, like an eight-man chorus. And we're singing with Frenchie Davis. And if you don't remember her, she was one of the big... She was expected to be a big uh, uh, contender on the first season of American Idol, a, a larger woman of blackness, and with a great big larger wom- woman of blackness voice. But she got booted because it turned out she worked for, like, a, a titty site. That she, There were pictures of her on some naked titty site. And she got booted. But, you know, she's had a career since then. She's been in Rent on Broadway. But now I'm getting to sing with her. Anyway, this is not the point right now. This past Wednesday, I had a rehearsal. And I misjudged the time. It was one of these days I had to be running around all day. And I'm like, okay, I can do this, do this, do this, do this. And then when I finish this, I can scoot over there to get to rehearsal at 6 o'clock. And it was supposed to be this guy's apartment. And as I got off the train in Greenwich Village, I realized, oh, fuck. It's not at 6. It's at 7. And, of course, right then it starts snowing. I'm like, of course it's snowing. I'm in the village. I have nowhere to go for the next hour, and it's going to be miserable. So I pop into a Dunkin' Donuts just to get some coffee, like we do here at the Dunkin' Donuts Coffee. It's the best. So <laughs> I'm sitting there, and I have my music on my, on my uh, nook, you know, my sheet music, and I'm kind of going over some of it. And there's this old man sitting next to me, maybe in his 80s. And he flags me because he can't. I can't hear him. He must have been talking to me, but I have my headphones on. He goes, so I'm just wondering, are you a songwriter or are you a musician? I said, actually, I'm a singer. And he's like, oh, oh, do you like poetry? And in another scenario, I might have been like, okay, old queen, please leave me alone. This is what you going to invite me back to see your etchings in a minute. But I said, oh, actually, I don't get a chance to read a lot of it. You know, not since college. It doesn't really pop up very much. And he just leaned in. He says, would you like to hear me recite some? And I said, um, uh, and he goes, it's some I wrote back in the 60s. I'm like, oh, okay. This man had me enchanted for a good 45 minutes. He just read these original poems of love and loss and laughter and just wonderful, wonderful, beautiful poems that I really enjoyed. And then that was that. And we, we went our ways. And it was this weird little moment of New York magic that, that I, it's one of the reasons why I love this city. I, it was like my prayer had been answered. I posted on Facebook, blah, blah, blah. I have nowhere to go for the next hour. It's snowing. Nah, 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 nah. And then immediately I met this man who, who gave me this completely other experience. The whole time it was happening, it felt surreal. Like I'm in a Dunkin' Donuts, a Dunkin' Donuts, <laughs> eating my munchkins. And this man is reciting to me this original poetry that he wrote but the women of his life and music and so I just it was unearthly and then I bid him adieu and walked out into the snow and was like wow that just happened and I just thought at another time another place I would not have been open to this experience but I just let him in and it was I'm never going to forget any of that so thank you because I realized too afterwards he said he wrote this in the 60s and it just dawned on me I'm like this guy is probably one of the beatnik poets the original beatnik poets that populated Greenwich Village in the first place and I just ran into him at Dunkin Donuts and didn't even offer him a munchkin It's terrible but ooh then I went over you know now I still had a half an hour to kill so I'm like well it's happy hour I'm going to get a cocktail so I went over to the Stonewall Bar the legendary Stonewall Bar you know where it all began home of the Stonewall riots a friend of mine works behind the bar, so I'm getting my cocktail. And as I'm getting my cocktail, this woman comes bursting up 
to the bartender. She shakes his hand. She's like, hi. I'm Carol, and I'm so honored to be here. This is the thrill of a lifetime for me to be here. She was in with her brother. She's from Canada. It's her first time in New York, and it was a big deal for her to come to where, you know, the whole gay rights movement started. And she was beyond happy. She's beaming with pride. And it was really refreshing to see. And then I heard her brother mention that he was from Pennsylvania while they were getting their drinks. Now, I always enjoy meeting people from Pennsylvania, usually because I'll ask them if they're Amish, just to piss them off. But I also have my own reasons as well. I used to work there back in the 90s as an EMC, and I've talked about that before. I'm not going to talk about it again. But you know, they went off to their corner of the bar, and they're enjoying their cocktails. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go up and say hi. I introduced myself, and they were great. She was so genuinely happy to be here. And I was telling her Christopher Street's not really not what it used to be, you know, because the gays took it over and it made it gorgeous. And then the straight people came in and made it too expensive. And now it's swinging back towards ghetto. It's a whole cycle of real estate. And she was very sad about all that. And I asked her, you know, I told her that, you know, Canadians are among my favorite people because, as I've said on here, they taste like maple syrup and bacon. And she actually laughs because I'm either going to get punched or laugh. And I asked her brother Jim who is from Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. I said, so, I need to ask you this because I ask everybody from Pennsylvania this when they come to visit New York. And he said, yes. I said, did you happen to bring any shoe fly pie with you? And he said, no. And I said, too bad because you can't get that shit around here. Shoe fly pie is a local delicacy, you know, a local dessert delicacy. It's just sugar on top of sugar on top of sugar, which is why they call it shoe fly pie. It's so sweet, it attracts flies. And if you ask for it here, nobody knows what you're talking about. So someday, some stranger from Pennsylvania will offer me a shoe fly pie, and then I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll probably throw it out or check it for razor blades or roofies. But anyway, that's not the point right now. But anyway, I gave Jim and Carol my cards for the show, so I hope you're listening, and I also hope you got your names right. Because, Jim, I want to call you Joseph, but I know that's because you're from Bethlehem. And Carol was either Carol or Caroline, but I'm going with Carol because Carol Brady is one of my favorite people on the face of the planet, even if she doesn't really exist. So there. So Jim and Carol, I hope you enjoyed your stay. Now, all of you, I want to give you a glimpse into my day-to-day life. Now, this happens with a lot of voiceover actors and actors in general. There's a lot of people that live in our heads, and they talk a lot. And, you know, for those of us who do voiceover characters, a lot of times we're practicing our characters, or we're talking as our characters, and we don't even realize we're doing it. And sometimes I don't even realize what I'm saying, and I will catch myself singing something or saying something that is so bizarre that I have no idea why I said it, that it just will bring me to a screeching halt. And that happened the other day. Bradford was in the other room working on the computer. Type, 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 type. I don't know what I'm doing. I think I'm just getting dressed. And I'm walking through the kitchen, and I just heard myself say, Life is like a box of diarrhea. And I instantly heard it in my head and stopped myself. And I'm like, why the fuck would I say that? Why would anyone say that life is like a box of diarrhea? That's ridiculous. Who would keep a box of diarrhea? Why would you put it in a box? Are you going to give it to somebody as a present? And Bradford's just in the other room like, Stop it! I can't breathe! I'm like, I can't! I have to get to the root psychologically. Why am I thinking about a box of diarrhea? And I think that's a mystery that just needs to die with me. It needs to remain buried in my subconscious forever. Forever. And yeah, Brad just yelled out, We hope. Well, we'll see about that. Uh, also, some of you might have seen the Iron Lady, you know, the movie about, uh, 
Margaret Thatcher starring Meryl Streep. And you're probably wondering why I bring this up at all. Even though I did mention it with Homer Morris because he brought it up. But do you know who else is in this movie? Rupert Giles. Yeah, Anthony Stewart head from Buffy is one of, you know, her cohorts in Parliament. And I'm like, dude, fucking Giles is working with Meryl. My, he's all grown up now. Oh, it's not worth going to see it because the movie is really not very good. I appreciate a good biopic. I appreciate a good drama. This is not one. She's fantastic. She's the only reason to see it. But, you know, she's always fantastic, you fucking bitch. Couldn't you suck just once? God. Didn't I say I didn't have much to say this week? Because I'm losing my voice? Yeah, so I should really get moving on the show and start talking about some movies. But since it's Valentine's Day and since February is also Women in Horror Month, Musically, there's going to be a theme for this show. I mean, normally I play something funny that has something to do with the movies, but this time I'm going to give you little musical treats from female performers about ghosts, ghostly women. I know it's not exactly women in horror, but fuck you. First up is a ghostly tale of a man lost at sea and the woman he left behind who waits for him and waits for him and waits for him. Forever. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Miss Sinead O'Connor. Shores of 
So, the next one of you ultra-generous motherfuckers to be put up before the firing squad is Zombard. Zombard, face the wall. Because it's time for you to be reckoned with. Because you had the audacity to recommend the movie Stakeland to not just me, but my entire listening community. Now we're going to find out whether you're going to be punished or you're going to be tickled. Which is also a form of punishment. But shut up! Shut up! Because we're listening to the trailer right now. Call me Martin. I've seen things you wouldn't believe. Things a boy shouldn't see. I was like any other kid. I didn't believe in the boogeyman. Then the world woke up to a nightmare. Welcome to Stakeland, kid. Get your boots on, your gun's ready. We're gonna put some distance between us and this place. We're on our own now, traveling through a ruined land. We live by his rules or we die. Or worse, we die and we come back. those things have you killed? Not enough. Like Mr. says, live free or die trying. Keep your weapons close and ready. What are you gonna do? I wanna kill that thing. Go with God. Lock the door. Okay, so Stakeland is this post-apocalyptic kind of a story in which the world has been destroyed by this plague of vampires. And our two main characters are a young boy named, well, a teenage boy named Martin, who is rescued by this traveling stranger man. I believe he's just called The Man the whole time. Very Clint Eastwood, man without a name sort of a thing. And, you know, they travel across this new barren wasteland of a country that we live in. You know, encountering other survivors and finding other communities and, and, you know, facing all kinds of perils and adventures along the way. And, you know, I just got to get right to business. Zombart. You're in trouble. It's time for you to face the executioner. Because you know what, Zombart? I fucking loved this. Stakeland is a fantastic little movie. It hasn't been getting the buzz that it deserves. The buzz that I've been hearing on podcasts has been extremely positive. Believe the hype. However, take this in mind. You're not getting a traditional horror movie. This is more of a road picture. and It's more about this journey that they're on and the people they come uh, into contact with across the way, along the way rather. One of the things that really worked for me is that I didn't recognize 99% of the people in this. The few that I did recognize, I didn't recognize till later. 
after the movie was over, except for Danielle Harris. Danielle Harris is in this. I believe Danielle Harris is contractually obligated to be in every horror movie ever made from this point out. Because this girl's everywhere. It's not a bad thing because I like her. And she's a talented girl, but, you know, overexposure, just just lay off. However, she plays against type in this. She's, she's not the way you've seen her before. And I enjoyed it. There's not a lot to talk about here because it's not even just spoiler territory. It's just this whole, you know, it's not about the plot so much as it's about the people and the relationships. And um, not to say that there's not some amazing action sequences and the vampires are quite scary in this. One of the things I liked about the vampires here is that um, they're kind of half vampire, half zombie. There's qualities of vampires and zombies mished together in that, you know, these, these aren't pretty vampires. These are not your Anne Rice. We're going to stay young forever and stay beautiful for all of eternity. Vampires. No, no, no. These motherfuckers are rotting. And they're kind of stupid, like zombies. They're not always fast moving. Some of them are more better off than others, but all of them are kind of fucked up. Although they do seem. Well, never mind. I'm not even going to say that part because that would be a spoiler. But that worked. I'm always happy to see vampires taken away from what they've become recently. You know, I, I like the, the takes that they did on them in 30 Days of Night where they were just completely bestial creatures focused on one thing, and that's to eat you. This is kind of the same, except they don't have the smarts that the 30 Days of Night vampires did. They're just kind of going on your basic motor functions, must eat, must kill, must eat, must kill, must eat, must kill, and it really is effective. I also like the performances of people I didn't recognize here. Michael Cervasis, he's, uh, he's best known for Broadway stuff. He's a wonderful musical theater performer. He was in the reimagining of Sweeney Todd, which even though I did not care for, he was amazing in. And um, Kelly McGillis plays a, a nun in this, referred to only as sister. I did not recognize her at all, but I really felt for this woman, and I was very concerned, really, really for all of the characters. And what was kind of nice about this, like so many road movies and things like movies like The Mist, it almost didn't matter what exactly the the foe was, what the enemy was, what the opposing force was, because it wasn't exactly about that. It was more about what was going on in this car and between these people, and what was going on there was fascinating. So this is a high recommend. Now, I had been given the opportunity to go to a free screening of this, and I didn't go because the title sounded so stupid, because in my head, this is what I was imagining. Well, howdy, y'all. Come on down to Texas Pete's Steakland. Well, we got every kind of steak you could possibly imagine. We got beef steak, corn steak, chowder steak, treasure steak, pickle steak, pepper steak, salt steak, jello steak, crunchy steak, chewy steak, taco steak, pizza steak. Well, we got every kind of steak that we can think of because in Texas Peak Steak Land, if we ain't got it, it ain't steak. Yeehaw! Nobody bothered to tell me that it was spelled the other way. So it was my loss. But you know what? I've finally seen it. I've seen it in the comfort of my own home without any disturbances that have been happening to me at uh, movie screenings of late. And I loved it. So Stakeland, high recommend. Thank you, Zombard. I am doing a grateful Japanese bow to you right now, even though you can't see it. Maybe you can hear the change of altitude in my voice as I'm going all the way down. Well, I'm not going all the way down. Well, I could go all the way down. But no, 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 no. Why do we always go to the dirty place? God damn it. Go rent this movie. Leave me alone. God.
Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, with another haunting tale of a girl forever lost, Miss Annie Lennox. So the big Main Street horror movie release in the past few weeks is, of course, the latest from the Hammer House of Horror, The Woman in Black, starring Daniel Radcliffe. By the way, that dingling you hear in the background is Sebastian the Cat, who's decided to sit in on this one, because I, I don't know why, because he owns his place and I don't question him. Anyway, um, Sebastian, you want to listen to the trailer? I'll take that as a yes. During afternoon tea, there's a shift in the air. A bone-trembling chill that tells you she's there. There are those who believe the whole town is cursed, but the house in the marsh is by far the worst. What she wants is unknown, but she always comes back. The spectre of darkness. 
the woman in black. So I have to admit, I was rather looking forward to this one. Um, I've heard about the story of the woman in black for a long time. I remember when the book came out, it caused quite a buzz. Uh, they talked about the PBS, BBC production of it on Night of Living podcast a while ago, and it caused a big rift. And some, some folks said, oh my God, it was boring. But Freddie said it was really scary. Freddie under- you know, appreciates that whole British style of, of spookiness and how it's, you know, not, not a lot happens for a long time. And, and, you know, oh, what do you know what I'm talking about? You guys are boring, but then you kind of bring it home at the end. And that didn't really sound sexy at all. So I'm just talking about movies. I'm talking about storytelling. I uh, You'll have to show me about other things. Prove me wrong. Anyway, uh, <laughs> what am I saying? So, um, and also the uh, play version of it. There's a, there's a play version that's been running in the West End for about 750,000 years. It's one of the longest running productions ever. And I remember when my good friend Michael went to see it when he was in London. Said it was one of the few times that he's ever heard an audience scream at a live theatrical production. And I was like, ooh, what happened? He's like, I can't tell you. I'm like, son of a bitch, and they're not bringing it here. But that's not the point. The movie's here now. So we went, and it was cool. And I, was, I actually didn't realize it was a Hammer release when I sat down. So when that came up at the beginning, I was like, ah, like that, but not the embarrassing way that Brad did it at Lysistrata Jones a few weeks ago. I was much more masculine about it. But the problem was we saw it in our neighborhood. And we saw it on a Saturday night, which means it was not the best viewing experience. There's a lot of 16-year-olds who won't shut up. And the guy in front of us who was playing pinball on his phone from before the movie started. You know, before, you know, during the, he took it out during the trailers. And then just continued to play throughout the whole movie. And I just wanted to go up and hit him on the side of the head and go, tilt! But I didn't. Anyway, so this was less than ideal. And to be perfectly honest, in the long run, I know I'm kind of in the minority here. I didn't really care for this. It has a lot going for it. Daniel Radcliffe is quite good. Radcliffe? Radcliffe is quite good in it. And the atmosphere is wonderful. I have to give it that. This, the mood and the tone and the look is wonderful. It's really rich and it's really creepy. And I'm going to sneeze. But in the end, I just didn't find it scary. The ghost story part of it just went pleh. For me, anyway. Now, Daniel Radcliffe, he plays this solicitor who's not particularly good at his job, so he's about to get fired, but he's got this one last job to take care of. And, you know, it's always that one last job that's going to put you in the ground or try really damn hard to do so. So he gets sent off to this little teeny tiny town, you know, that classic creepy little town with the big secret. Did you hear all the capitalization I put in that? The creepy little town with the big secret. And a woman has died there who has this huge estate that has fallen to ruin, and he has to go and collect all of her paperwork, which apparently is in massive disarray. And when he gets to town, he's not welcomed very hospitably. Nobody wants to talk to him or look at him or give him a room for the night or feed him, and people keep telling him to go home, and, oh, no, no, it's already been taken care of. Please don't go out there, la, 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 get back on the train, get your Harry Potter ass on the Hogwarts Express, and get the hell out of here. But does he listen? No. Because if he did, there'd be no fucking movie. So, not only does this woman have an estate that's on an island, well, it's sort of an island, sometimes it's an island, it's on the marshes, and let's say a good 12 hours out of the day, it's completely inaccessible when the tide comes in. Why would anybody build a house out there? I mean, for real. I don't know. I guess maybe if you smell. 
or the people in town smell. I'm sure we had something to do with aroma. So he, he's, he says it's so big, he's just going to go out there. You know, no one will even take him out there. He finally gets somebody to take him out there, and he's like, well, I can't come back to the tides go back out, so it will be in the morning. And Harry Potter's like, why are you talking like that? And he's like, wait, this is supposed to be I am a production. All the people in the town always talk with outrageous accents. And Harry Potter's like, oh, yeah, just like that. <laughs> and he spends the night there, and it's not long before creepy things are happening, you know, Clinking and clanking and banging and booming from weird places in the house. And eventually he sees a woman standing outside uh, on, the, on the grounds. And he's like, hey, who's that? And as soon as he gets back to town, some kid dies. She swallows lie. And her brothers bring her into the police station where he is. And she, 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 she dies. And apparently that's the whole curse of this place. The estate is haunted, not surprisingly, by the woman in black. And if you happen to see her... One of the children in town will die. But they won't just die. They'll commit suicide. And they'll blasely commit suicide. No, no, no sign of fear. No sign of anything. They just kind of blank out and kill themselves. And actually, to be perfectly honest, the opening scene of this film is wonderful. I loved it. <laughs> it was, the, you know, it's just these three little girls. And they're quietly playing, you know, playing tea party. La, la, la. And, you know, whatever. Then all of a sudden... They stop what they're doing, and they look at the camera, and their expressions just go blank. And they stand up slowly, and they walk across the room, and there are these three child-sized windows on the wall, and they just walk right to them, open the windows, and step right out. And as soon as you do, I was like, wow, that was coordinated. But as soon as they you hear them go on the ground, and you hear a woman going, ah, my baby, my babies! Which I know Andy at Nine Old Living Podcast would be happy about because he loves it when people yell that in the movies. He's, he's a very strange little person. <laughs> but I love him. Now, the problem is you don't really find any of this stuff out for... You don't get enough... For me, I didn't get enough of the backstory soon enough. Like, after a while, I'm just like, I get it. You're walking around in a dark house and I'm really getting kind of bored with it. And um, what I learned from this movie is that ghosts are dicks. You can write that down. This is Patrick's Lessons for Life. Ghosts are dicks. And I came to this conclusion in this one scene. Um, Daniel Radcliffe is hearing this noise in the house, and it's like this. I can't even do it. It's like, um, it's a tapping, but it's like a, almost a mechanical kind of tapping, like this. And it's coming from this room on the second floor. And, you know, he slowly goes up with his candelabra, like you have to do in a hammer film. And he gets to the door, and it's locked. And it's getting louder. And it's getting faster. So there's a hatchet conveniently located downstairs. So Harry Potter runs all the way back downstairs. The noise is getting louder and faster and louder and faster. And he runs up the stairs with a hatchet to chop down the door. And the door's wide open and the sound stopped. <sighs> Ghosts are dicks. Made him go all the way the hell downstairs, find a goddamn hatchet, come all the way back upstairs in this treacherous, dangerous house in the pitch darkness, and you're like, huh? Dirt's open now. There's a couple more instances than that, but I know that's pretty much in every ghost movie. Ghosts are dicks. So there. But something about the ghost story just didn't grab me. It never really felt fully fleshed out. Uh, the character of the woman in black never really got fleshed out. When you see her, you always just get the same thing. You see her face and she does that CGI thing where her mouth gets really big. And she makes that noise. That's all she ever does. I would have liked to have seen some soul behind the woman in black or something 
human about the woman in black because there's nothing. And the backstory gets confusing. It's about her son, and I'm not going to get too far into it. But at some point, the body of her son gets gets unearthed from the marsh where he's been for years and years and years, and his body, body is perfectly intact. I said, hmm... Okay, it's not working for me, but, you know, that's a nitpicky thing. But overall, it just wasn't gelling for me. Mr. Brad said the same thing. The pieces were all there. It just didn't come together. And my problem, my really big problem with the movie is that there was not a diaphanous gown in sight. If I don't see some buxom beauty walking down a hallway with billowing curtains while she's wearing a diaphanous gown and holding a candelabra, which, granted, you know, Daniel Radcliffe was carrying, but he was not diaphanous at all, it's not a Hammer movie. What the fuck? <laughs> but, um, a mildly funny thing that happened there was a scene another scene one of the million scenes of Daniel Clad, uh, Radcliffe walking around this house with his candle and Mr. Brad all of a sudden got obsessed with the size of Daniel Radcliffe's flame he's like that flame is too big candles don't burn that high and I'm looking at it and it did seem like the flame was a foot tall I'm like that's some serious candleage and I said to him, well, actually, Daniel Radcliffe is a teeny tiny little person. Maybe they did some camera trick to stretch him out to make him look taller, and therefore the flame looks like it's towering over him. I don't know. But the fact that we were obsessing over this and not the plot just said that we weren't connected to it very much at all. And the ending was an eye roller. It might have been okay had it not been for all the soft focus gauziness, which when you see it, you'll understand it was just a step too far. Too much white, too much soft, fo- soft focus gauziness for me. And too much of a reliance on jump scares. Although, however, there is one jump scare in here that did have me out of my seat. They had one really well-planned jump, scan, jump scare. And I'm not going to tell you what it is. So if you do happen to see it, you will be surprised. You're welcome. So um, I know Zombart already called in about the woman in black because I already recorded that portion of the show. And he liked it. And I know a lot of people like it. A lot of people don't like it. And I'm in the don't like it. I don't not – well, I'd say rent it. It doesn't need to be seen in the theater um, because normally I love mood and atmosphere. Zombart does call me back on this, but, uh, this wasn't enough. It was like two different movies. You had the mood and the atmosphere, and then you had like the shitty modern ghost film that's just CGI and bleh, and no story behind the woman at all. Anyway, the woman in black didn't do much for me, but maybe this will do something for you. Well, it better because it, this, this song is a classic. It is Edgar Allan Poe's Annabelle Lee. Set to music by a dear friend that I worked with back at Allenberry Playhouse in 1999. So, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Miss Danya Lane.
Hey there, Patrick. This is your good friend down from uh, rainy Louisiana. I wanted to ask you a couple questions. Hi, Bayou. Um, so, my wife doesn't like gore. What would you suggest for horror movies that she could watch? Uh, you know, hmm. more psychological, I guess. Um, I don't know. Okay. I'm, the one she's seen, or uh, I don't. Yeah, I'm, I'm in a loft there. So, so, let me know what you think. All right. Okay. Well, you have a good one. I'll talk to you later. Oh, and happy Carter girl from down here. Bye. Okay, Mr. Bayou Hunter, this is a really good call, and this is a really good question. And uh, this kills me because I've been meaning to, one of the gazillion things I've been meaning to do is set up a section on the website of movies that I reviewed, A, to list all the crapshoot movies, 
and how they rated, but also like a special notation for things that are approved for the Mr. Brads in your life, people that aren't big fans of the gore, but prefer the suspense and the atmosphere and things like that. Of course, I haven't done this, so I had to go scan through everything that I've reviewed to come up with some titles for you. So, um... You can go the classic route and go like the 1960s stuff with like the William Castle things, like Straight Jacket would be a good one, or uh, House on Haunted Hill, even though that's silly. But um, some other things that are more recent that weren't gory, some of the more intellectual scares. Uh, the other, actually, that's not new at all. That's from the 1970s. Was a really good ghost story that seems to have disappeared out of the public lexicon, and actually, I found it really effective. Um, there's an Asian, well, American Asian movie called They Wait that I reviewed in episode three that Mr. Brad liked very much. Uh, Burning Bright as well, the story about the girl who's trapped in the house with a tiger during a hurricane. That's a really good one for the non-gore fan. Um, the Disappeared, which is a British ghost story, and also Absentia, which is not out on DVD yet, but you can get on iTunes um, and, and video on demand at the moment. These are all things that I'd suggest for her and if you don't like them you can come and give me some suggestions about what she's more into okay because I, I that is all part of the service I provide there's another part of the service I provide but I'm not going to offer that to you because that would just be awkward okay thank you for calling Bayou bye bye oh and by the way for those of you who are confused about him saying you know happy Mardi Gras uh, Bayou actually got this in last week in time for episode 51 actually encouraged him to send it on, and then I completely forgot to edit it into the show. So I'm a big tool. Big tool! I'm on the way. I'm making it. That was stupid. Hooray for me. Next call. Hey, Patrick. It's Zombard and Danny. Zombard? Time, no Holy talk. shit. Uh, I don't really have an excuse for not calling in in a while. Well. Been a bit busy. Uh, so happy fiftieth uh, episode! Since Thank I missed you. your fiftieth. Congratulations! Ah, no, hi, Danny. I'll call in with some other remove, uh, movie reviews later. I got a, a bunch. And I know you're reviewing like Stakeland and like stuff I like, so I have to. I'll call back in later. But anyway, uh, Danny and I are just leaving uh, the Woman in Black. Yes. So we thought we'd give our non-spoiler just opinion real quick. Creepy. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very creepy. It was very scary. It had all the punch of your paranormal activities and your insidious, insidious, insidious. How do you pronounce insidious? Insidious. Insidious. <laughs> Without being like um, gimmicky, I guess. It was. It's a classic tale. It goes the kind of point of view shots when it has to, but mm-hmm. it, it was kind of nice to have something scary that wasn't. Uh, found footage or on home video camera. Yeah, I'll Very classic horror movie. Very classic ghost movie. It is. It's very, for, for I guess this is Hammer Horror's first big release, aside from like, let, well, let the right one in remake or let me in. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as being in a classical period piece and being just ghosts and scary and, yeah, it was pretty good, and I have to say that Mr. Radcliffe, as always, impressed the hell out of me. Mm-hmm. Um, he was great on Broadway, and he's great in this, and I thought... He's basically, Man has some talent. He's got some talent. He carries this movie mostly by himself. Yes, he does, It's kind of like 1408, in which it's kind of like you know him versus the ghost, uh-huh. and there's lots of scary gimmicks. There's lots of great kind of just visions of creepy shit going down so yeah i'm not going to tell you anything about it because you gotta go see it but you are <laughs> the one who told me that you love the atmosphere and uh 
Like, are you afraid of the dark and all this? And this movie is just, it's all atmosphere. It's atmosphere and jumps and bloody terror. And I'm not going to get hit by a car right now, so I'm going to stop and wait till they go by before I continue. <laughs> what are you doing on the phone? I'm already kind of scared. Um, Damn it. But, yeah, go see it. High recommend. Um, I think this is going to be one people are talking about. So it is slow pace for those uh-huh. that need constant action. There's not constant action. It is all build up, all tension, all scary. So, uh, anything you want to say, hon? You covered it. I covered it. So, uh, that's it. Go see Woman in Black, and I will see you later. Bye. Peace. Zombard, it is so good to hear from you. I thought you were dead. I thought the Tooth Fairy things from Don't Be Afraid of the Dark drag you into the furnace. Or some shit like that. And Danny... It is a pleasure to hear from you as well. I thought Zombar dragged you down there with him, which is even worse. You know, it would be nice if you let her talk for a change, Zombar, you know. Instead of just having her piping over your shoulder while you're crashing into a concrete abutment on the highway. Why are you calling me from your car? Are you determined to have us listen to you die in a fiery wreck? Because as great for ratings as that might be, I really don't want that. I don't want that. That would not be cool. Anyway, The Woman in Black. Um, See, at this point of the recording process, I don't know what's happening with the show. Because, um, you know, I was going to do the all-carry show, but that's turning out to be a little more work than I anticipated. So, I have to change my plans. And I think I might have already discussed The Woman in Black at this point. And if I have, you'll already know we didn't really care for it. It had tons of atmosphere, I won't argue that, but overall I just didn't think it amounts much. But uh, I probably already said that ad nauseum. I appreciate your opinion. I see why you liked it. It just, I don't know, Brad and I caught us in the wrong mood, I suppose. And we also weren't in the best viewing environment, which I probably have also discussed at great length. But Zombart, welcome back to the fold with your first call in 2012, I think. I think. And... For clocking in under three minutes, I think this is a first. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Now it's just Babblemouth Jay we have to worry about. I'm just kidding! I'm just kidding, Jay. He's gonna kick my ass. Oh well. Hey, Patrick, this is Jay, the Hawk Cub in Delaware. Hey, sexy. With the uh, call that I promised you just oh, a good. little while ago when I was talking to you on Skype. Um, just finished the. Um, oh, fuck. What's Spit that it out! Called? Um, the damn ghost movie that you recommended in the last episode. I wanted, I wanted to say Dangerous Encounters. No, Grave Encounters. That's okay. what it is. Yeah, yeah. Dangerous Encounters. Um, sorry, I'm old. Um, anyway, I just finished that. Uh, mixed feelings about it. It definitely mm-hmm. creeped me out. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then again, the ghost genre, like that kind of stuff, always gets me. Um, although I love it at the same time. Okay. Uh, it definitely owed a lot to Blair Witch, but then again, I guess most found footage movies do owe a lot to Blair Witch. But yeah. the whole um, thing where they ran screaming around yelling for the first guy, I think his name was Matt, reminded me a lot of when Josh went missing in the Blair Witch. And then um, the girl screaming a lot reminded me of Heather in the Blair mm-hmm. Witch. Uh, just the echoes and yelling for people and all that kind of stuff really reminded me of it. The one thing I didn't like, I, I like it when you don't really see a whole lot of those type of movies, and I felt like they cheapened it a bit by bringing in, like, um, you know, when they showed, if the girl hadn't turned around, uh, the spoilers, by the way. Maybe yeah, I be yeah, go right ahead. 
But um, it, it's in the it trailer. It felt more like it feels when you walk through a um, a haunted house, you know, during Halloween season mm-hmm. with actors and stuff, where it got kind of like odd like that with the inmates and things like yeah, that. Yeah, so I agree. I wasn't real crazy about that part of it, but it did effectively creep me out, uh, especially watching it alone in the dark. A um, mm-hmm. couple other movies I've seen recently that I just wanted to mention real quick. Uh, Rent. Uh, we watched The Shrine. Some friends and I watched The Shrine on yes. Netflix. I know you reviewed that, but I can't for the life of me remember whether you liked it or not. I'm thinking I li- you probably didn't. That was the one with um, Aaron Ashmore, Sean Ashmore. I did like it. It was cute, by the way. Thank you. Um, and actually, I thought that one was halfway decent. I thought uh-huh. the premise was interesting. Uh, you know, of course, it takes place in, a, in an Eastern Bloc country, well, Poland in this case. Um, although a lot of people have commented on it that it didn't, you know, it, it didn't represent Poland even remotely. Well, but you know, beyond all that, the, the mysterious fog in the woods, and, and then what the whole thing turned out to be was kind of interesting. Cause yeah, I agree. People weren't who you expected them to be, so that was kind of cool. By far not, by far not the best horror movie I've ever seen, but I, I definitely enjoyed it and didn't feel like I wasted my time. Unlike. Another movie that you recently reviewed, Chillerama. Yes. I'm oh. sure you're right that uh, seeing that in a a um, atmosphere where you were with a bunch of people partying was probably mm. a lot of fun. I just found it to be pretty much a piece of garbage. Um, I I know what it was trying to be, and it was trying to be cute and smart and funny and stuff, but I just didn't think it succeeded on any level. The were-bear sequence was just god-awful yeah um, so i'm, I'm with you there ones where i felt like i wish i could get the time back that i spent watching it hmm. a couple other things real quick i watched black belly of the tarantula over two yes. days while i was sick at home i actually really enjoyed that yeah um, that was fun probably one of the better giallo films i've seen but then again my knowledge of that genre isn't that extensive no mine's pretty extensive. limited too but i did enjoy it like the music um <sighs> and uh i thought the acting was pretty decent i mean it kind of Lost its way a little bit, but I thought it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, also watched Ch- uh, Chud just recently. Oh. Um, <laughs> cannibalistic humanoid underground dwelling. I know what I've it means. I've never seen that movie before. It came out the year I graduated high school and went into college, and it probably just was not on my radar. <laughs> so I've never seen it. Uh, but I did like that, too. Um, I you did, know, too. Cheesy, 80s fun, and the acting was a pretty decent level, I thought. Surprisingly good. Some of the people that were in it that actually went on to become... Somebody. Stars. And then last but not least, before I get cut off, American Scary, which was a documentary about horror hosts from the 50s onward. Okay. And I really, really enjoyed that documentary. I would wholeheartedly recommend it to anybody that grew up during the time when horror mm-hmm. hosts were relatively popular. Um, we still have a smidgen of them now, I guess, but it's not quite the same thing. No, it's not. Anyway, keep up the good work. I'm not quite done this last episode listening to it, um, but I have already heard you review um, the... Uh, the ghost movie that we just spoke about. So, um, anyway, enjoying the show. Take it easy. Uh, talk to you soon. Bye. Bye. Okay, Jay, thank you so much for calling in. Um, uh, my favorite part about this call is the discussion that I had with Jay after he finished it on Skype. Because, like I said in, in previous episodes, when I get a call, a voicemail, I don't listen to the whole thing. Right away, you know, because I, I just, you know, listen to make the first 15 seconds or so to find out who it's from so I know where, you know, how to file it when I save it. And, you know, I just said, okay, it's Jay, great. And he was just stuttering so much and just um and on and that I talked to him after and I'm like, you okay, Jay? You seem very nervous. He's like, I'm just so worried about getting cut off at the five-minute mark. I'm so embarrassed. That's happened to me once. I just don't want it to happen again. Jay, 
it's okay. Just breathe. It happens to everybody. And, um, there was a lot of stuff in your call, so I'm not going to touch on all of it very much because uh, a lot of the stuff I've already talked about. But um, Grave Encounters, I agree with everything that you said. Um, I would have been okay. The only exception I would have say is that I was I would have been okay seeing the people in the in the asylum, you know, the ghosty people. Had they just left it there? Had they just disappeared? But when they did shitty shit, you know, the, sh- the same shitty CGI effect on all of them over and over again, it, that cheapened it for me. If you're going to show them, just let them... Oh, you know what I mean. Just let the creeps speak for themselves. You didn't have to add shit on top of it. Chillerama, I know, I know, I know. I just happened to hit it in the perfect storm. The perfect storm of a convention audience that was dying to see it, that was already rattled up, uh, riled up for a hot Saturday night of fun and craziness and already, you know, six sheets to the wind. Didn't help either, but it, yeah, it's not a good movie. It doesn't pretend to be a good movie. It's what I appreciated, and I was afraid that when y'all saw it at home, you wouldn't enjoy it. But you know what? I didn't see it at home. Ha, 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 ha. And, uh, yeah, Chud. I love Chud. Just because the name of that movie, it's just, it's not just a name, it's like a sound effect from a Batman you know, the Batman show. Thwap! Powie! Zing! Chud! And it's a great insult to call people, you stupid chud. It just sounds like an awful word, and I love it. Um, and I love it, too, just because it's sleazy old New York. The way I loved it. I loved it, I loved it, I loved it. And they showed some gay bars, like, as they were passing around, driving around, that don't exist anymore. I'm like, I remember what used to go on there. Oh, my. Well... Those were the days, and American Scary, I had not heard of this before, so thank you for pointing it out to me. This sounds very interesting. We didn't really have any horror hosts out here uh, when I was growing up that I can remember, but um, it'd be cool to check out some others. So, Jay, you you got in under the wire. You had 30 seconds to spare. Well done. Next time, just don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Um, (laughs) If you go over, it's okay. I'll just mock you relentlessly because it will be your second violation and not the violation that i want that was dirty okay bye 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 patrick you son of a bitch what this is zombie hunter tony for yes? the past five days my wife has going been going around the house every five minutes going oh freak out <laughs> nothing more just all freak out every five minutes thank you very much you're Love welcome you bye <laughs> Oh, my good Lord, Tony, you just made my day in 21 seconds. That was amazing. Ladies and gentlemen, the power, the power of gay and the power of disco to ruin people's lives. You know, I probably shouldn't laugh too hard at you, Tony, because um, uh, if you people don't know, Zombie Hunter Tony is a gun enthusiast. And he will have no problem double-tapping me. You can find Tony over at the Wasteland Wanderers podcast. And I hope that's still going on. I haven't listened in a while. But I'm sure it is because it's a good show all about survivalism. And he is a published author. Uh, He wrote a great zombie book called Kings of the Dead. And also a supernatural uh, private eye story called Avery Nolan, Private Dick of the Dead. Dick of the Dead. I think I saw that movie. It was not sexy. Anyway, thank you for calling, Tony. Bye. 
I don't know you, I don't like you, we can be friends on Facebook. Oh, hey Patrick, it's Betty. Oh my. Hi, I Betty. wanted to uh, call in and tell you what a great episode your last one was. The oh. number escapes me, but it was 51. the one where you had Mr. Homer Mars on there. <gasps> I like the fact that you had a musician on. It's a nice change and um, gives the show another facet, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought he was a very uh, genuine and nice guy. He came across really well on the interview. And um, he was very good, even though the Skype kept cutting out on you guys every five seconds. Um, But I thought he kept his composure very well. I went and checked out some of his stuff after the show. And um, I really liked it. First of all, I did not know all that stuff about Julian Sands. I knew about Warlock. I Mm -hmm. did rent it a million years ago. And I think I liked it, but I couldn't tell you anything <laughs> about it. Um, probably wouldn't like it so much now. Yeah, um, not but so anyway, much. Uh, I didn't know he was on 24, but I think by the time Beep. season five rolled around, Beep. I'd lost interest. Beep. But if I'd have seen him, I would have said, hey, Julian Sands. So, What's up? Yeah, it was cool. And uh, <laughs> I liked his other stuff, too. Uh, the Facebook song, which I can't get out of my head. I know. Right Isn't it awful and, that way? Um, the Vampire Alphabet was very funny. Visuals are key in that one. Yes, they Because are. you have to see the slideshow while they're uh, singing it. And the live audience um, really uh, adds to it. It's a great song anyhow, but um, those two factors make it even funnier. Uh, the Omen trailer was genius. Who would think of uh, putting the actual words from a trailer to music and folk music at, at that? It Homer was Mars, that's who would think of it. it. Um, and I like the fact that he's got a female bass player who can yeah. also sing. Um, so all in all, I really enjoyed it. I found Homer on Twitter, and Homer Mars, I'm following you. <gasps> <laughs> That's about all I had to Not say, Patrick. At all. Except also, I wanted to let you know that we're getting. Julia's eyes in the mail. Well, not her eyes in the oh, mail. Ew. The, the disc <laughs> will be coming in the mail next from Netflix. So Durwood and I will be checking that out. Thanks for the recommendation. Wonderful. On that. Let me know what you think. You take care, and I'll talk to you later. Bye bye. Oh, Betty, thank you so much for the musical call. And ain't that true about the Facebook song? It just gets in your head and doesn't leave. I actually woke up with it a couple of days ago in my head. Like the first thought in my head, I don't know you. I don't like you. I was like, ah, Harvard Mars, get out of my head and into my car. I make that joke a lot. But you know what? Fuck you. Not you, Betty. But, you know, shut up. God, it was nice to have a musician on the show for a change. I love that he presented himself to me, and it has opened my mind up to a lot of other possibilities for guest hosts coming in. I'm hoping to get my friend Don Windsor in, who is an actor and a musician as well, and he's got a sexy baritone voice, and you would love to have him sing for you. And if you don't, fuck you! (laughs) I snorted. Anyway, um, yes, and Homer, I have to say, did hold his composure even though the Skype kept cutting out. Actually, that's completely not true. He completely went to pieces. I just did a really good job of editing because he would come back and he'd be crying. He'd be like, I'm sorry, Patrick. I'm ruining the show. And I'm like, hold it together, Mars. What's the matter with you? Be a man. He'd be like, I'm sorry. I can't. It's too much. I'm like, you're totally going Veronica Cartwright on me, mister. And that would, that would, that would sober him up. Yeah, that all really happened. Isn't that right, Homer? Oh, that's right. He's not here to defend himself. Oh, well. (laughs) Thank you for calling in, Betty. I'm looking forward to hearing what you guys think of Julia's eyes. I hope you guys call in a review because you know what that does for me. It's like getting a call from, from 
Well, you guys, I don't know what that meant. Anyway, thanks. Bye. Next call. Oh, Jesus. Hey, Patrick. It's Trey. Hey, Sugar Pie. I just wanted to call in. I just listened to the um, Homer Mars episode, and I really enjoyed it. I'm glad y'all oh, gave Warlock some love. I, I liked that movie a lot <laughs> when I was in high school. Um, and Homer, he's a cutie. He was cute, and his music was really good. I, Is I it to it. I looked up his YouTube page, and I really, really liked what he had. So I was really glad that you brought him on. Maybe you could... Have them on again later and each do a different Julian Sands movie. You can I would be thrilled. Or Rose Red or, or whatever, but it was fun. Um, Are you blushing? I, called, I was thinking about what to talk about. And I was, you sound like you're blushing. I just I've, I wanted to see if you've ever thought about the, the, the TV show Supernatural. Um, yes. It came out, what, seven years ago? And mm. I didn't give it a second thought. I thought it looked stupid. It looked like the male version of Charmed. You know, mm-hmm. a bunch of pretty boys. You know, fighting monsters written by people who didn't give a damn about horror. And I started hearing really good things about it about two, three years ago. And so did so I. I finally Netflix the first season, and I really enjoyed it. I mean, the first season was nice. It was a little bit Monster of the Week episode, uh-huh. you know, but it was good. I enjoyed it enough. But by the end of the first season, I really started getting into the storyline, the overall arc of it. It started actually getting its own mythology hammered down. And then, so I picked up the second season, and from then on, I've been hooked. It's actually Ooh. a lot better than I was expecting. Um, one of the good things I like about it is mythology. It moves the story forward season by season. Each season has a beginning, a middle, and an end, a great story arc. Okay. And it, it starts to get more unique to itself. Like the first two seasons were a little standard Monster of the Week, nothing too special. And then by season three, they started adding in other elements that stood out from other horror movie shows, and I liked it a lot. Hmm. Um, the second thing I liked about it, I love the humor. One of the things I liked about Angel and Buffy the most was that when it was funny, it was really funny. Absolutely. And Supernatural tends to be fairly serious and straightforward, but it, when it wants to be funny, it cracks me up. Huh. It has a good running joke about the Supernatural fans. Um, I can't say too much about it, but it pokes fun <sighs> at Supernatural thanks. fans in a, good, in a good-natured way. And it's, okay. it also has a lot of fun with the fact that there's a lot of Winchester out there. The characters are named Sam and Dean Winchester, and a lot of fan fiction has them being more than brothers. And the show you know, okay. fun at that. So it's, it's good that they're not afraid to joke about a lot of the homoerotic elements of the show. I see. Um, you know, one episode, they were trapped in TV episodes, and so they did dead-on, spot-on parodies of 80 sitcoms, Altrex commercials, Grey's Anatomy. Oh. It was a good episode. They even did one where they put Paris Hilton in it in a logical way, and she didn't suck. What? So, I like the humor of it, and it's, it's, the it's also pretty inventive. Um, they know that they've got a formula to it, and later episodes are really good at circumventing the formula and expectations and going in a way, you know, they set you up thinking it's going to go one direction, and then takes a left turn and goes in a whole different way. To Albuquerque? I like that. Um, oh, snap. On the downside, the acting's kind of dodgy. Um, of the two, I guess, main characters, um, Jensen Ackles, who plays Dean, he's he's the better of the two. He's he's sexy as fuck. Mm. He's smart. He's you know smarmy and cocky, but he's supposed to be, and he's just got charisma to burn. Um, Jared Padalecki, Jared Padalecki, Sam isn't the best actor. He does what he does pretty well, but I love making fun of his intense face. Whenever he wants to get intense, he scratches his face up like he's just smelled a really bad fart, and that that's, that's soap opera acting. acting. His acting is. They teach I'm kind that. Of bland, or I'm just really just, oh, what is that? I smelled something. So, yeah. So the acting isn't great. Yeah, it, 
it's a good show. You should check it out if you haven't already. It, it's not the end all be all. It's nowhere near as good as Buster Angel. But Bite your I tongue. Like the Lord in the X Files. It has a lot of sense. Yeah, it's humor I, and it I, I, moves I, I, the story I, I, forward season by season, and I appreciate that. So supernatural, you know, it's an investment. It's now in its seventh season, but if you want something, you know, good, I I, I give it a, a look see. Okay, I hope all's doing well for you. I'll talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Oh my lord, Trey, you just talked for almost five solid minutes about one thing. Supernatural. And I can only deduce one thing from that is that you're totally gay for the Winchester boys. You wanna kiss them and you wanna have like a million of their babies and stuff like that. You are still gay. But that's why I love you. Okay, so you like Supernatural. I think that was the main thrust of your call. I'm not sure it was kind of clouded in, you know, in mystery. No, uh, clearly you think it's a good show. I, I've watched it sporadically. Um, I think I watched most of the first season, and I never really got hooked by it. And I've caught it once or twice since then, and it seemed a bit better. But I just never spent the time in it because I had no idea what was going on in that arc story. They talk about shit, and I'm like, I don't know what's going on. So I'd move on to something else. You know, like I do. Fickle me. Fickle me. And, um, all right, I'll give it a shot. You talk long enough about it, I'm not going to talk about something I don't know anything about. For <laughs> What? I thought, <laughs> really, Patrick? I thought you just talked to hear your voice. Well, fuck you! Who was, ta- who was talking to you? God! That is so rude. Okay, so you're gay for this, the Winchester boys, and you're totally gay for Homer Mars, but at this point, who isn't? Everybody thinks he's dreaming. That's nice. He comes one. He comes on one episode. And he's got a. F- <laughs> he's got fans swooning over him, and I'm just chopped liver. Well, fuck you, Homer Mars. Fuck you and your scruffy beard, and your pinchable cheeks, and your musical talent. Nah, I'm just kidding. I love him too. I can't help it. He's so squeezable. Anyway, thanks for calling, Trey. I heard you. Hey, Patrick. This is David at Blue Jeans Guy. <gasps> just calling to say David. hello. I just subscribed to your podcast. Sorry, I hadn't before now. Oh and uh, I'll find somebody to make it up to you. Just saying. Uh, but um, love it. Boyfriend, sir. Love listening to you. You are funny. You're charming. You're oh. cute. You're all kinds of wonderfulness. And oh. uh, the show was really good. I uh, listened to. I'm sorry. Coffee hasn't kicked in this morning with the guy who was doing the, the folk songs and there were the, the parody Homer songs Mars. about the uh, horror movies. Um, and just thoroughly, thoroughly loved it. So I'm looking forward to I'm looking forward to hearing the one about Carrie. That ought to be good. Yeah, uh, aren't we so, all? So uh, keep putting out the good stuff, and I'll keep listening to it. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Bye, handsome. I'm sorry, I am giddy with excitement that you called, David. Seriously, it's like my world's colliding. Now, listeners, David is the host of that Blue Jeans Guy podcast. He also has got a blog on that. And you should go check him out. He's a very sexy man with a lot of very intelligent opinions about a lot of interesting things. So he's a nice gay person as opposed to me, an evil gay person. And the reason why I said it's like my world's colliding, I often am a co-host or a guest uh, correspondent, I suppose you say, uh, with David on uh, This Week in Gay, which is available on the Pride 48 network. You can find that at pride48.com. Now, This Week in Gay goes out every Sunday, and I believe we're recording it live at noon these days on Sunday, Eastern Standard Time. And 
It goes out as a podcast as well, so you don't have an excuse. If you can't listen to it live, you can listen to it anytime you want. You can have us both in your ear holes, double teaming you. Ew. Ew. <laughs> Classy as always. Um, yeah, so David, I'm thrilled you called in. I'm glad you like the show. And I'm really glad you said all these really super sweet things about me, just so another person can rave about Homer Mars. <sighs> it's always about Homer. Homer, Homer, Homer. See if I have that bitch on the show again, stealing all my spotlight. I'm kidding, Homer. I love you more than anybody else does. Well, maybe. I don't know. Shut up! God, I'm confusing myself. God. And I'm whining like this. It only means one thing. It is time to wrap this puppy up for another GD week. So as always, if you want to be like these awesome people who contacted me at the show this week, you can drop me a line at crew at screamqueens.com. And that's Queens with a Z! You can also give me a call and leave a voicemail at 347-767-3509. You can like me on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter. You can join in the conversation over at palaver.com and meet some of your other fellow Scream Queens. Or you could support the show. By buying a t-shirt. Yeah, the Scream Queen t-shirts have been moving really well. I'm very happy to see you guys are snapping these up. There are a limited number still available in the original printing. I know there's some problems because there's a limited amount of sizes and everybody wants them in black. But you know what? Suck it up. <laughs> you know, the cost of the t-shirts does help to balance the cost of servers and things like that that help keep the show running. Because, believe it or not, this costs me some money to bring this to you guys every week. And, um... Even though I love it, my wallet doesn't. And I'm not complaining, but, you know, if you can help out, that would be a really, really Scream Queen-ish thing to do. I don't know what else there is to talk about at this point. I was hoping Rich from the Dark Side would contact me because he is now the Northeast affiliate of the Scares That Care Foundation, which is, of course, horror fans and horror people from the horror industry who are giving back to charity. I've been working with him, trying to come up with ideas for us to work together, and also with Time Scare, which is a new haunted house in the heart of Manhattan itself. It runs year-round, and I think there's a trilogy of evil to be had there. If all three of us get together, we can come up with some great stuff for everybody. He didn't, though. He didn't contact me with the information, because I know there's a benefit dinner that's happening in Pennsylvania, and here are some of you folks that I'm sure you'd love to go to, but I don't have the information. But I know it's in March, so there's still time. So next time, of course, will finally be the discussion of Carrie. Because Owen and I went to see Carrie the Musical last week, and it was certainly something. And he actually saw the original version, so we'll have stuff to talk about there, as well as the movie. And hopefully I'll get the folks from Scary the Musical on, or at least some of their music. And I don't know what it's going to be. It's going to be crazy, is what it's going to be. It's going to be more fun than two hours in your prayer closet. That's what it's going to be. So, until next time, continue to make the world a creepier place. And remember, as my grandmama used to say, What? That certainly was nice of you to give me that box of Valentine's chocolates. I'll think so sweetly of you every time I'm shitting blood for the next three weeks. Bye. I go hunting for witches. Heads up, galleries Some of the music for tonight's program has been provided by Mavio's Music Service. Check them out at music.mavio.com. Bitches! <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. Mr. Snoop Dogg. 
Advice for Chris Humphreys and uh, Kim Kardashian? The first advice is, you dumbass nigga, you shouldn't have tried to wipe the bitch, man. She's not that type of a hoe. She gets around, man. You see, when Reggie took the bitch to Africa, she was looking at the Africans because they had bigger dicks than his. She's cold-blooded. I'm pretty sure she have a book in a month. So my advice is, look, can't make a whole housewife. Don't try to reinvent the wheel. Let her do what she was born to do. Ho. Yeah, ho. Punk bitch.